week two best bet show of the early read. Whenever you are listening, whether it's Friday morning, Saturday morning, or after, and you want to hear if I won or lost, it's the early read loaded week two slate. I'm your host, Reed Wallach, here to guide you through the betting waters of this weekend slate loaded games. If you missed the Tuesday show with Nick, I'd say go back and listen. Nick, one of the sharpest guys in the space, gave out some great intel, how he's assessing the week two slate. We just had a bunch of bets in there as well. Got a few more we're going to get to this show. Going to be more spread out. We're going to talk a few injury news, a few reports, a few line moves throughout the week, and then I'll get to a few best bets. Of course, it's going to be just me going through this solo. So let's talk some key injury and line moves. While we were recording Tuesday, it looked like Ohio was taking some money against Florida Atlantic in like the G5 Super Bowl with a ton of talent on the field between those two. By all indications, Curtis Rourke is going to play. He sat out against LIU after leaving the San Diego State game early. Wiglaws also sat out against LIU in what was a really just unimpressive win against LIU as a massive favorite, one I believe 27 to 10. But it looks like Rourke's going to be in and they're going to be full systems go. Market now sits at three and a half FAU total way up to 62 and a half from the opener of FAU minus four and the total of 57. I'll put it this way. If this hits a flat three, minus three, minus 110, I'm going to be on FAU. I think when you look at the firepower on the FAU side in their opening win against Monmouth, I think that they're going to have way too much for this Ohio offense. You, you want to talk about Curtis Rourke. Didn't, off the torn ACL in late November, didn't even really get a full game out. Played a quarter or so. Leaves with with a knee injury. I thought it was a concussion. It was apparently a knee injury. Then gets held out against LIU to make sure he's healthy for this one. Maybe still some rust there. Maybe he's not 100% and he rushed it to get back for the beginning of the season. And so he's not 100%. I'm a little concerned in Ohio, while their defense looked rock solid against San Diego State and LIU for that matter, FAU looks like a totally different animal here. Ohio going on the road, FAU 9 yards per play, 11 yards per drop back. Casey Thompson went 20 of 25, 42 to 20 was the final. I think FAU has way too many weapons here. I think that they take care of business at home. I'm going to wait, hold out. Maybe there's some more sentiment, positive sentiment around the Rourke return and people keep buying up Ohio like they did against San Diego State. In that game, I took San Diego State. Maybe a little bit of luck, but I'm willing to take a stab here. I'll take FAU. Maybe it's like a money line with Texas A&M, who we spoke about on Tuesday and who I already like. Maybe put those two money lines together or hopefully get an FAU minus three, a, a flat one there. Another one came across the reports. Oklahoma State looks like they're going to stay with these three quarterbacks all getting run. It was Garrett Rangel who started, and then Gunnar Gundy also got time, and the transfer, Allen Bowman, all got time. All three were fairly unimpressive, though, in the win against Central Arkansas. While I pull up the box score, Oklahoma State wins 27-13, but this was far from impressive, and... This was a team I didn't have a firm opinion on. I was leaning towards the bearish side with them, but given their easy Big 12 schedule, I just stayed off it altogether. But 27-13 was the final at home against FCS foe Central Arkansas. They were outgained by more than a half yard per play. Oklahoma State, 5% explosive play rate, 16th percentile when compared across 
the 2022 slate of games outperformed on an EPA per rush basis. This was really a poor go. And no quarterback really cemented themselves, in my opinion. No one really pushed the ball down the field. Uh, and now they're playing an Arizona State team that I'm also not very high on. I played their win total under. But road favorite, rotating in three quarterbacks, not sure how to handle this one. Arizona State didn't look so great against Southern Utah. Jaden Rashada, he had a nice long touchdown. Highly touted recruit, Kenny Dillingham there. Maybe he could scheme something up, but this is one where I'm interested to see how this all plays out because Oklahoma State didn't ease any of my concerns in the opener but I'm not sure if Arizona State can take advantage just given where they're at in their rebuild. First year, first time head coach, really raw quarterback. Maybe Oklahoma State takes care of business, but I'm interested to see that one, especially with all three quarterbacks. Maybe we could start to see some traction and one pull away from the other just to go through the box score on who played well and who didn't. Rangel got the start, 10 of 15, 118 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Gunnar Gundy, he had the highest EPA per play of the three he was 7 of 9 for 106 yards. And then Alan Bowman threw the most pass. He was 13 of 24, 92 yards, took a sack as well. So not a ton of separation there, I'd say. So definitely something to monitor. This is a game where I think you could learn a lot from both teams. Oklahoma State sitting as a road favorite. I just I don't know if I could get there. It's probably Arizona State or nothing if I were to play on the game. Utah Baylor, one of the what looked like it was going to be an interesting non-conference game. Now, interesting maybe for completely other reasons. Utah way out now to around a seven and a half, eight point favorite. Total has dropped from some wild openers. It's now sitting at call it 47. A lot of this is baked into the news that Blake Shapin, the Baylor starting quarterback, he is out for the next two to three weeks at least with a sprained MCL. It's going to be Mississippi State transfer Sawyer Robertson who will start for the Bears. And then Cam Rising, he was cleared. For this game, or he was cleared for practice, I should say. I don't think he's going to go. I still think that the plan for this Utah team is for him to be ready by the UCLA game to start Pac-12 play. So I know that this number has moved significantly towards Utah, but this is a big shift in expectation, in my opinion, when you look at this Utah team. At home, they are a different animal. And now you're expected to win by margin against the Baylor team who got pretty much pantsed by Texas State and the G.J. Kinney offense. I just think that this team might be running into a team looking for a bounce back and also low total. It's still backup quarterbacks. You look back at last week's game for Utah, outside that 70-yard bomb on the first play of the game, I mean, Utah's offense really did nothing. In my opinion, a fraudulent cover they win the game 24-11 against Florida. I know Graham Mertz couldn't get the ball going, but you look at Utah, 30% success rate. That's ninth percentile. A lot Their yards per drop back numbers inflated due to that 75-yard bomb. I, I think Utah was a little lucky to get away with a win there. This team is still banged up. I, I lean towards the Baylor side. I haven't played it. I have the under, which is not even gonna, worth saying what the number is, but I think that Baylor, I think that this is a do-or-die game for them already. Even with Sawyer Robertson, I know he played terrible. It was 6-for-12, 113 yards, and it took an interception. The Baylor run game really couldn't get going. I think this is going to be a grind. I just don't trust that Utah could win with margin, given who's likely going to be at quarterback, whether it's Barnes or the dual threat 
quarterback who came in, Nate Johnson. He was pretty electric, I will say. He had a nice touchdown run. Again, though, low total, road favorite, early start time as well. I just don't know if I could trust Utah laying the points. Baylor's offense will hope that they could get the ground game going. It will be tough against Utah, no doubt, but I think Baylor, this is kind of do or die, right? And you start 0-2 with that, especially losing as like four touchdown favorites. That's that's a tough one to swallow. Another one that should be interesting in the early slate. Another game, I want to bring this up because the number isn't there just yet, but it isn't a, a spread that I'm thinking of taking. Troy catching 16 and a half. There's some juice 17s. If this hits 17, I will play it. Troy won 48 to 30. This is against Kansas State, I should say. Troy won 48 to 30 against Stephen F. Austin. And this Troy defense that won the Sun Belt, this Troy team that won the Sun Belt, one of the best defense in the entire country. Forget just group of five, forget Sun Belt. This is one of the best countries pound for pound all year long. And I know that you let up 30 points to Stephen F. Austin. Are you sure you're ready for Kansas State who returns their entire offensive line, has fantastic running back play, a capable quarterback in Will Howard? Yeah, I think that number is a little overblown. If you look into the box score, Stephen F. Austin averaged 4.93 yards per play. That's 24th percentile. Negative uh, 0.32, 7th percentile. The, the number was a bit inflated that Troy lost two fumbles and threw a pick. Stephen F. Austin had a scoop and score on a crazy blown up play where the ball got kicked around and the defender on Stephen F. Austin ran it in. I think that number is a little overblown. And Kansas State, they play Missouri next week in a border war rivalry type match where Kansas State blew the doors off of Missouri last year. So you got to think that there's more interest in that game next week. I mean, Kansas State won 40-12 at home. They're going on the road. I just don't know if there's really an incentive for Kansas State to run this game up. I know they destroyed their FCS foe 45-0 or something like that. But Detroit defense, definitely game here. There's turnover on both defenses. Kansas State, they lose an NFL pass rusher. Troy, 55% returning production. Their DC's gone. But I think that Troy could keep it within three possessions here. So when that hits 17, hopefully, that's going to be an ad there. That's just a game I wanted to make sure I mentioned because it uh, just missed the board here. Before I talk about three more bets I had, I want to talk about my good friends over at Profit Exchange who are introducing Profit Boosts. Profit Exchange has created a way to make guaranteed money every day. Seriously. Head your f- favorite sportsbook boost with Profit Boost. Follow at Profit Boost on Twitter to be alerted there next time there's a free money opportunity. Join the growing community of bettors who are on pace to make an extra $4,000 this year using Profit Boost alone. Sign up for Profit Exchange today and get a no sweat first bet up to $100 when you sign up with the code Early Read. That's E A R L Y R E E D. Early Read. Available in the Apple and Google Play Store. Must be 21 and present in New Jersey. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's talk three more bets from this week. We start with a gross one. Iowa State under 36 and a half. Let's go. Last set, last season, 10 to 7 thriller at Kinnick. And I think that all signs are pointing towards the under in this one yet again. Let's start with the Iowa side. I discussed on the show, I didn't think Cade McNamara was healthy. By all indications, didn't look like he was going to be a, a full game time call. And if he played against Utah State, it was going to be super vanilla. They're going to maybe try and build a little bit of a lead and get him out of the game. 
I, I don't know what Kirk Ferentz was thinking, to be completely honest with you. Now they're saying during the week, it, he's not going to be healthy. He's not going to be able to take off and escape the pocket. And that matched the eye test from the Utah State game. I watched that entire game as someone who was holding a Utah State ticket because I didn't think McNamara was going to play. Uh, he didn't look healthy at all. There were a few times where he could have taken off and he didn't want to. I know Iowa scored on like that 35, 39-yard touchdown pass on the first drive of the game. But after that, the offense completely turtled against a Utah State defense that was pretty terrible last year. I Iowa's numbers were putrid, and they only get to 24 points. I just I think against a much better defense in Iowa State, the Iowa might be in for a rough go, especially considering they now are admitting, I mean, it's not even like they're hiding it. They're saying McNamara's unhealthy. Iowa, 4.26 yards per play, negative 0.38 EPA per rush, sixth percentile when compared to games last year. You go up against this Matt Campbell defense. This is a defense that allowed 3.2 yards per carry last year. They were the best explosive rush defense in the country. Yes, they lose McDonald on the line, but this is an Iowa State secondary that has plenty of returning production, and this is consistently one of the best defenses in the Big 12, and they have familiarity with Iowa. So I think that this game is going to be a grinder on that side, especially with a banged-up quarterback. I think that this game, Iowa ceiling, it's 13 one touchdown, two field goals, maybe. The game is going to be bleeding. So I don't really know how you could be confident in this Iowa offense going on the road and showing up against Iowa State with a banged-up quarterback. On the other side, Iowa State's offense, I know they hung 30 against Northern Iowa, but a little overrated here when you look at this box score. First drive, uh, first quarter, Iowa State had a pick six that helped them get ahead, and then they end up sitting on the ball, and they end up pulling away. Yes, they put up 30 points. Sure, that's impressive given who is currently on the roster for Iowa State, but I do think that this offense is still in trouble. Looking at them, 30% success rate. That's ninth percentile. Second percentile explosive play rate. Fourth percentile third down success rate. They only played, they only ran 55 plays on offense, so I, I think that some of the turnovers really generated that. Rocco Becht, who got the start, 9 of 12, 110 yards. The run game was pretty much non-existent for the Cyclones either. This is still a damn good Iowa off, Iowa defense, I should say. I think that this game is going for a snoozer. I will say my biggest fear when betting this under and under this low is the potential for a turnover and a short field or a defensive touchdown. Iowa, of course, known for their ability to turn the opponent over and generate defensive touchdowns. And then Iowa State had one last week as well. I just, I trust McNamara to be conservative and be safe with the ball. And I do think also Iowa is going to be, Iowa, Iowa State's going to be a little bit more protective of the ball as well. I like the under here. It's gross, but somebody's got to do it. Next up, another under, a little gross as well. Missouri, Middle Tennessee, under 48. 48 is the last buy point for me, a somewhat key number. I'm just not sure Missouri's interested in lighting this one up against Middle Tennessee State. I also don't know if they're actually capable of. Missouri scored 35 last week against South Dakota, but that seems to be the ceiling on what Missouri can do. You look at Brady Cook, who was named the official starter. He had an average at the target, a dot, as the kids say, of six yards in the opener against South Dakota. What are we doing here? 
I think that with the aforementioned Kansas State game on deck, a game that they're surely going to want to get get out and win that one, especially given what happened last year, the 40-12 to final, I just don't think Missouri has any interest in running up this score. They're not explosive enough, in my opinion, and I think this is a game get ahead and just bleed the clock out. On the other side, Middle Tennessee, this is a rock and a hard place here. Second trade game against an SEC foe. They just got absolutely plastered by Bama. Let up 50-plus points. Middle Tennessee didn't score. I think this is just get out of here. Try and stay healthy. New quarterback also. He's coming into his own Viastro. I like under here. I just think that neither team is really interested in playing an explosive game and really running a ton of plays. I think this game is going to bleed. And Missouri is just going to have this game in a vice grip. And they do most of the scoring. And it stays under 48. Last one here. I missed the best of the number pissed about it but it went through a key number and i'm still playing it because i think rice is actually going to beat houston outright so the last bet we will add for the early read in week two will be rice plus nine and a half against houston first rice i know they got blown out by texas actually covered in that one but the defensive line was fairly impressive in my opinion got eight tackles for loss against texas That's encouraging when you're moving forward, and now you're playing a Houston team that really struggled the offensive side of the ball. Average less than five yards per play, Houston against UTSA. Negative .25 EPA per rush. That's 15th percentile across last season, and only a 3% explosive play rate. Going on the road, I I don't know if this Houston offense is really gelling just yet that you would hope from what was an explosive offense last year, but is turning over a ton of key pieces. They lose Clay and Toon. They lose Tank Dell. They lose their top five tacklers from last season. So there's still a lot of growing pains here. I know Houston won outright at home against UTSA. They closed as a three-point underdog in that one. And you go back and watch the highlights in that one. Three Frank Harris interceptions, pretty uncharacteristic, I'd say. And also some of them were just absolutely brutal. Boneheaded interceptions, really pretty shocking to see. UTSA, though, was living in the backfield. Eight tackles for loss. Houston really didn't put up much of a fight. JT Daniels, veteran quarterback for Rice. I'm not going to say that he played super great against Texas, but there is some returning production. He's a veteran quarterback, and there's returning production around him. Rice's top three receivers are back from last season. So... I think Rice super live in this game. You go back to last year, Rice nearly knocked off Houston as a massive dog leading in the second half. So maybe head coach Mike Bloomgren has a beat on Dana Holgerson and is up to the task here again, plus nine and a half at home. I'll take the Owls here. You look at next week also for Houston. Come off a UTSA win those two played a thriller last year now this year open the season as a home dog they win that one Houston has its big 12 debut next week against TCU at home I think this is a great spot to fade Houston after that game I I think Rice super live here this is a perfect letdown spot after a crazy game so Rice plus nine and a half uh, so just to recap there three more ads to the early read slate of games. We're going to go Iowa State under 36 and a half, Missouri Middle Tennessee under 48, and Rice plus nine and a half against Houston. So that gives us plenty of bets for this week. I said I was going to up the volume on this week's card. Got 10 bets 
across the two shows. So if you missed that one, if you want like more of a deeper dive into the entire week two slate, make sure you go back and listen to that show with Nick. It was really a great episode, about an hour or so long. And if you want all my plays in real time, just check out the bet stamp at RW33 is my username. You can follow everything in real time there. I got the Google Doc in the pod description, in this pod description below. That gives you all the early read plays. And just make sure you're liking, subscribing, giving five stars. This is going to be the cadence moving forward Tuesdays and you know late Thursday, Friday, posting the Best Bets pod. But until then, let's hope for a big week two. We'll be back on Tuesday with a recap show, and we'll just start looking ahead to week three. 